Hello, my ladies, my gays, my theys, and the men who get it. We are back for another episode of the F the Nice Guy podcast. And today I am joined, I almost said by two rats. <laughs> Let's not say by two rats, by two amazing women, one of which you have met before and one of which is a new F the Nice Guy friend. They are the hosts of the Rat Girls podcast. And today we are finding out what nice guys from their past we will be sending to the sewers. A one, a two, a one, two. He's a nice guy, what a nice guy, till he's screaming in your face. And he's a nice guy, such a nice guy, but he'll put you in your place. And he's a nice guy, what a nice guy, till he gets caught. He's a nice guy, such a nice guy. Until he's not F the nice guy. All right, so let's get official. Hello, Abby. Hello, Gracie. How are you? Good. Thanks Hi. for having us. Truly my pleasure. I want to get a, a quick question right off the start. What is a rat girl? What What is the, the definition of a rat girl? I'm so glad you asked that. Um. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> We're always ready to explain rat girl because we, we truly feel that we are rats in our heart. Um, being a rat girl is being like a little feral, um, being true to yourself. Embracing who you are and just rejecting what, you know, societal standards might be, you know, anyone in your life telling you the way you should be and just being however you want to be and enjoying the journey and um, making it your own. Yeah, scurrying around the city and just like <laughs> eating cheese, <laughs> eating cheese, <laughs> rejecting perfection. We don't believe in perfection yes. here, although I'm a recovering perfectionist. So that's why the rat girl's motto is really, really speaks to my heart. Thank God I'm not a perfectionist because I've never come <laughs> close to achieving that. I'm such like, a, <laughs> like, I would be just miserable as a perfectionist because <laughs> I cannot get it together. Uh, so I guess I'm a rat. Yeah. Yes. So if you haven't put it together, Abby was on a prior episode of the F the Nice Guy podcast. What was the title of it? She has ADHD was probably the title. <laughs> I think it was. Hold on. So Abby was on that episode when a nice guy has you tangenting. We've known each other since now. Well, we figured it out the other day. It was like eight years ago. Yeah. We worked at a production company where we were so heavily. Nice guy. No, we were nice guys so hard. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but we were. We were so immersed in, like, misogyny. Not even just misogyny, but, like, uh, nepotism. Just all the yeah. bad things. And now you and I have just completely branched out from that. I'm doing this this podcast. <laughs> You're doing your podcast. You've got vibes. Let. I just think it's so funny. We've really embraced the rat girl of it all. Yeah. We're like, we don't need a system. We can do it our own way. Love in it. the sewers. <laughs> the beat of our own drum in the sewers. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Gracie, tell me a little bit about your story, because uh, obviously we know Abby at this point, but how did you get here? How have we become the rat girl? Oh my God. Good question. It's like, okay. So I met Abby through my boyfriend who knew her boyfriend, well, her now fiance, and we loved Jesse. And then Jesse introduced us to Abby, immediately loved her. She came to me just like with this fun idea. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do it. 
Um, I'm a creative person. I kind of was looking for my like next kind of creative outlet. I was kind of in a rut, kind of stuck, especially like after the pandemic, I felt very just like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know which way to go. And this just felt like, yes, this excited me. So um, we embarked on this journey together and it's still pretty new, but we're loving every minute of it. And before that, I was a, um, a professional amateur athlete. <laughs> I'd say for I, my whole life, I was dedicated to my sport, the Winter Olympic sport of skeleton. I don't, I say amateur as a joke, but it's because we didn't get paid. So it's like, you know, I did it to represent my country and um, to just be the best I can be. And it didn't work out the way I ultimately wanted it to, but I learned so much from it. It was the best time of my life, the worst time of my life. And I grew like exponentially as a person. And I'm very grateful for the time I had in the sport and also you know, all the like tough lessons I learned. I think that, well, one, I think that's absolutely amazing Two, I can't even imagine the skill level that you have. Like I can't, I can't, if you say sports, I immediately say ball because I'm like sports (laughs) ball, you know, I have no, (laughs) don't have any athletic ability. Like, So I think about, he's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm just like, basically an Olympic level, you know, it's fine. It's no big deal. I'm like, I can't throw a basketball with one hand. I still well, use well, two I hands. Can't either. <laughs> I have no hand-eye coordination. I was sleigh riding essentially. <laughs> and before that, I was, I was a sleigh. <laughs> so wish I still did it so that I could just adopt the Gen Z um, vocabulary and make cool captions. You can't, but they will destroy you. I ran track and field before that. So it's, no, no, like real technical skills. It's just like, I want to go fast. And that's like what I did. So. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I, I love your podcast because I feel like just diving right in um, because I feel like similar to mine. I love it. Cause it's like mine. Um, no, <laughs> that sounds so awful. It's like me. Um, I love me. No, the fact that you guys talk about like all things and you're so open about things that I feel like women in general have been discouraged to discuss, or it's not talked about openly. And everybody is so like vulnerable, but funny at the same time. And like nothing's off limits. I don't know. I, I like, I, it makes me want to embrace my inner ratness. I want to really go hard with the rattiness at this point. That's all we want to hear. That's so nice. We want women everywhere to be rats. <laughs> We're rat people. We see images of perfection everywhere and it's just exhausting. And it's like, why try to keep up with that? Just embrace you exactly how you are. And um, we want to make it like a safe place to just like share your stories and like share the female experience yeah. and like feel like you're less alone and laugh through it. I think that's funny because like I look back and the most self-conscious I ever was in my life. I've talked about this dude on the podcast, not by name, (laughs) Uh, but he was like the stupid little misogynist that I, narcissistic misogynist that I dated. He wouldn't officially date me because he wanted to keep his options open. And I was like, I yeah. also, I also don't even like relationships. Like, girl. I, I love like hooking up. That's for me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I've only ever been in committed relationships, but I just like to hang out. You know, I, like, oh God, <laughs> young me, oh, girl, it's okay. It's okay. 
all right. Uh, but he was like really into fitness and he didn't live here. He lived in Texas. And I remember I like somehow thought like, oh, working out is like a thing we're doing together. Kind of. We won't, we're not. He told me I should look. His favorite body type was Jessica Biel. It was a oh. nightmare. Oh, my God. I'm I sorry. Don't. That's just not okay. It's just an idiot. If you want to guess his height, I bet you could. Um, <laughs> shorter than he said. <laughs> really, like my the funniest to me is when guys get so buff in the arms that they can't put them down anymore. You know what I mean? Like they have to walk with their arms out to the side. Did he have that going? <laughs> he was like, um, like skinny fit, you know, like cut. Mm. But he had like a six pack, eight, but whatever the heck. But I remember, this makes me laugh. He would send me photos because the boy loved to do that, right? But um, you know how they love to do that. I never had scale because there was never like a door in the background. So I never knew how tall he was. And he said he was, I think he said he was like 5'9 or something. And he showed up at my door, my height. <gasps> and I was like, I bro, that happened too. like, why would you lie about something that's tangible? Like, I can yeah. see you. I see you. I know my, he probably would have tried to gaslit me that my height was not what I thought it was. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't care what the doctor says. They're lying. Uh, anyways, that whole tangent was just to say I was like ripped and like, I worked out like two hours a day every day. And yeah. I was like miserable. I was so self-conscious about my body. Like, no matter what it is, if you're constantly striving to hit perfection or whatever ideal someone else is telling you you need to be like that bar moves and even mm -hmm. if you hit that bar there's something above it and you never feel good because you're never comfortable within yourself I, I yeah I completely agree I like Grace and I talk about this sometimes like I'm going through currently like a intuitive eating journey I recently just started eating for like my actual needs instead yeah. of like <laughs> how do I get as small as possible? Because that's like what's been beaten to us for some reason. And Ugh. one way for a woman to be. Yeah. And that yeah. look is supposed to be like beautiful. And it's just such a scam and just such a lie. And recently it's like, you know what? I'm really hungry. I'm going to start eating when that happens. When my body says it's time yeah. for food, I will it do it. turns out it needs food. Well, it's just like literally it's, the perfect body quote unquote is always changing it's never mm -hmm. possible it's always got to be like you need a boob job to get that skinny or you need to have that big of a butt you need to gain weight but then somehow have a six-pack like and even if you look like i don't we're about the same age like when i was growing up i remember like nicole richie they were like calling her like obese and she was like the oh, size i, I am now that. When she was friends with Paris Hilton and like, that's what I saw. And I was like, oh, well. She swung to the other end and she like, def I mean, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't want to speak on it because I don't remember for sure if she ever said it out loud, but that there was some, maybe some sort of eating disorder there. But she, the poor thing, like she just was so, so thin from being like bullied, I'm sure. Yeah. We talked uh, about the Jessica Simpson picture. Like, I was just about to say that. Yeah. yeah. That we all, that's like us now. Looking yeah, like back, she looks so normal and healthy and beautiful. She looks great. Yeah. I'm like, I wish I looked like the Jessica Simpson, quote unquote, fat gene, mom gene uh, epidemic, like whatever. Yeah. It, when that was that whole fiasco, I'm like, she's cute as hell. Like, oh my God, what was wrong with that? Like, we were yeah, so totally. brainwashed. Ugh. Yeah, that's Lord. what like 
that is about rejecting that, like rejecting what society's telling you is normal and just listening to like, what's normal for you and what makes you feel good. Exactly. <laughs> Literally and starting from the bottom. <laughs> like, yeah, let's throw it all. We're trying to like, de like we had so much, um, I feel like we were just like brainwashed by like terrible messages and imaging and like it traumatized us. And now we're like trying to deprogram that um, to be like, wait, that was never the right way. That was never okay. And like marrying that thought with like it also within your body, because that's a hard thing to do. It's like, I rationally know like, yes, I, you know, I shouldn't starve myself. That's insane. But like breaking the habits that you've done since you were maybe like a little girl is really difficult and it starts like with loving yourself for who you are yeah it's interesting because i just saw something on tiktok where a woman was talking about hold on maybe i should give me one sec i need to look that up because i hate i always like quote people that's me but i'll say like I'll quote someone on TikTok and be like, it was the New York Times. <laughs> it was this novel I read. Um, yeah. Okay, so her name on TikTok is Therese Lee Six. She has some really amazing content. And she was talking about how, you know, people talk about like men hating on women and how like that, those conversations are so common, you know? But she's like, yeah, you, you wonder like, well, how can this happen in public? She's like, women hate on women all the time. And I was like, thinking, I was like, wait, what? And then she broke it down. She's like, how often have you sat like in a table of women and one woman just starts like completely destroying their body? Like, oh my mm -hmm. God, I hate this about myself. And then the next girl jumps in. And then the next girl, every single girl giving this huge list of the things they hate about themselves. And like, not only are you saying bad stuff about yourself, hearing bad stuff, but you could potentially hear someone else saying they don't like a thing you have. Yeah. So you have this, this second layer of shame. And I right. was like, oh my God, we do perpetuate that in the way that we talk about ourselves. Totally. Yeah. This is a funny one, but when I was home for the holidays, my cousins and my sister we're talking about how our family has such long femurs and they were self-conscious about it. And I was literally like, what? <laughs> I was like, There's... wait, should I be self-conscious about this now? <laughs> so I remember in, I don't know, what the hell was it? It was like middle school. Somebody said, your nose looks like a stick with a ball at the end. I have never unseen oh that. God. I'm so sorry. I that also had, I dealt with so many nose comments growing up. It's like, fuck off. Okay. I'm not so talking, I'm not calling things out about you. Like, let I me do it. Help it. <laughs> it's so bizarre. It's like, we, we hate things that don't even make sense. Like, but they do stick with you. And then, yes. but it is kind of, you kind of have to laugh, even though it is painful and it was wrong and mean of those kids to yeah. say that. It's like, what the hell? Yeah, what, yeah, what's going on in their brain? Like, I think I told my mom and she's like, what? Like, my nose is a stick with a ball at the oh. end. She's like, what is, what? I, I don't even, okay. Uh, what? Sure. No, I don't know. What are we saying here? Oh, Jesus Christ. Well. It's in Mean Girls where Lindsay Lohan was like, they're all insulting themselves in the mirror. And she says like, I just thought there was you know, skinny and fat. Like she had no idea that there was like all yeah. these layers of hating yourself. Yeah. 
Oh my God. Okay. Speaking of things that caused us to not love ourselves the way we should. Men. <laughs> Perfect segue. I love it. Yeah. So I am ready for some nice guy stories. Who has one for me? Hopefully both of you, but who wants to hit me first? I want to hear Gracie. Okay. Bear with me with the, I'm opening the memory gates and it's going to, it might come out a little discombobulated, but we're going to, we're going to work through it. My nice guy story is kind of classic. It was a guy friend, um, you know, who presented himself very soft and kind of, he was a little bit of an awkward guy, kind and supportive. So it was when I was an athlete and, um, I lived in the Olympic training center and the weird thing about it was like you lived in a dorm. So you lived with, you know, all the male and female winter, you know, sport athletes, you were like next door to them. So you, sure. there's like kind of no escaping and everyone dates each other. It's a really fun environment, but it's also kind of a weird one to navigate, especially when you're younger sure. and there's a lot of older people and, you know, shitty older people that like to try to take advantage but anyways, I was around 22 years old and my friend came to me one day and was like, you know, I like you as, you know, more than a friend. Would you want to like go on a date? And I said, you know, I'm super flattered, but I, um, you know, I, I just see you as a friend and also I'm seeing somebody which he was aware of. So it was kind of like one, that was a number one, like red flag, right. but I was too young and naive to like really be like okay that was he knows I'm seeing somebody and you know granted this guy that I was seeing also didn't ever call me his girlfriend and like it was one of those where it's like no labels you know you're kind of a secret kind of not Ugh, the worst right so then as a, I'm gaslighting myself as a young 20 year old 20 something year old girl being like okay well maybe he didn't know because the guy's kind of secretive about it but you know I I just want to stay friends with you and then fast forward this um, relationship, quote unquote relationship, this thing, situationship with this guy that I had been seeing ends. And um, I'm really upset about it because, God. because he was like a, not a nice person. And I, at the end of the relationship, again, in quotations, I felt very like used and just like, he kind of saw me as a toy and just very disrespectful Ugh. in many yes. ways. So I was really low, whatever. Then fast forward a little bit for more and we have um, a national championships. I end up winning this national championships, which is, was a huge deal for me, especially because I was dealing with like um, a lot of depression at the time and just a lot of like, I just felt really bad. So I was like, wow, I really just pulled off a really cool, amazing thing. And it's a huge accomplishment. We all go out that night, everyone who competed to, you know, celebrate, let off steam. We're on the dance floor. And then the guy who was supposed to be my friend, comes up to me and like forcefully grabs me on the dance floor and like kind of pulls me into him. And I'm, I, it really took me by surprise. And I was like, what is, Whoa. Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? And he basically is like, you know, you're not with that guy anymore. Like I'm a good guy. Like it's my turn. Give me a shot. It's my turn. Oh my Ew. God. Immediately. I felt like I, I shoved him away. I was like, um, you're not going to talk to me like that. That's not how this goes. I left the bar and I was so upset. I felt so sick. And it was like supposed to be my, like my big night of celebrating yeah. a really big accomplishment. 
and not my night, like, but like, you know, I'm in a really good headspace. It's, no, it's your night. No, no, no. It's, oh, you, you know, it's yeah, amazing. I, I'm like, oh, wow. I'm going to really like take this time to really celebrate and like let off steam. Cause especially yeah. everything else in my life was going really badly at that point. So I'm like, this guy who was supposed to be my friend is now being super aggressive and like, he's saying it's my turn like and he wouldn't like let go of me and that's why oh I just shut him away and so I left the bar crying very upset I mean I was angry but then I was crying because I was like I felt so um just gross in the sense of like him saying it's my turn now after already feeling like I had just been kind of used by this other guy right. it was like I'm just I'm I just perceived as something that can just be passed around Oh you my know, God. like I have zero respect. I just won a national championship and like right. men are still being like fucking disgusting and being like you like I have no say like, oh, do you want to dance? No, you're going to dance with me is how he was presenting and shove like forcefully pulling me in. And then disgusting. Being, yeah, it's my turn. I'm like, oh, it made me feel so gross and bad. And, you know, eventually he tried to apologize and um being young and naive and, you know, not knowing better. I, I think I accepted the apology, but well, it's not that I didn't know any better. Cause in the moment, obviously I knew this is wrong. And I like stated that. And, um, but I, I was too forgiving. So I, I kind of kept being friends with him, but I kept him at a distance because I was like, wow, he's shown his true colors now. And like, he's somebody that I can't, like, I can't escape him. Cause we all kind of live in the same environment but Ugh. um i now know like this whole time i thought he was actually a nice good guy right a friend and respected me and it kind of just in that one moment was like i really saw how he really felt about me that's the crazy thing about them and like there's also just i mean i think we're all naive right it's more that age i feel like that's the prime nice guy like that's the age they're like yes this yeah. 28 i'll give it like 18 to 23 they're like this is my time to shine yeah. i'm gonna get you but i think it's also important to point out that like when you have nice guys especially in friendships like where they were quote unquote nice to you even if that wasn't it felt real in the moment the cognitive dissonance between everything you've seen from them and then those blips of them being insanely insanely misogynistic insanely territorial uh, insanely uh out of line and like completely against everything you know about them like your brain is just like it, it can't make sense of these things and so it, like so many of us are like okay that was weird <laughs> like I'll, yeah, but like yeah. it makes us not be able to trust yeah but you, and it's like you're like forgive them because you're like i don't even know what just happened to me that was super weird you start to be like did i think something wrong like i was right. like yes myself or you're like did i give him the signs yeah, like blame that... yourself kind of but even if you are giving a guy a sign that you're interested, that does not then give them the right to forcefully grab you and to Ugh. like 
and that they have a turn at like being with yeah. you. It's just. And like language is so important with these dudes because I feel like a lot of their confessions are subtle language choices. Like the fact that he said turn. Yeah. I'm yeah, sorry. Exactly. I'm a person. I'm a human being who has wants, desires, and I make my own choices. So I, I'm not like a merry-go-round or a bicycle. Like you don't get a turn. Yeah. I think it hits so much harder when it's a friend like if a guy's an asshole and then he treats you like like that you're like okay that sucks really bad but i also kind of i kind of had an idea that they were an asshole right but when somebody who knows you that well who's a friend of yours who would have known your struggles who would have seen what you'd been through who'd know you had just had a heartbreak and you were now enjoying time probably enjoying yourself and being proud of yourself and finally having a moment he would have known all of that. And for him to choose that time to say, you're not going to shine. This is me. This is my moment. I want you exactly. and I'm going to have you. I don't care how you feel about it. And it's so much more painful because you're like, you know, you knew what this meant to me and you did it anyways. That's exactly it. He had also known my struggles with depression and we had kind of bonded over that. Oh, I hate that. Oh, yeah. And so oh. that was exactly why it, in that one moment everything just felt so icky just word to the wise out there like as an oversharer and a sharer and someone who loves to listen to people's issues in general be careful who you share with because like as so, like i am, have depression too or i still do uh as uh, being bipolar it's one of the two fun things that happen um <laughs> it's, it's on the roller coaster uh but <laughs> Like I have, as I've aged, like have had to learn to be so much more selective because there are people who are experiencing what you're experiencing and want to share, or perhaps even are just empathetic. And there are people who are trying to get information and to get something to weaponize. Like totally. he knew where you were at. He saw you at a high, like, and he chose that moment to try and take advantage. And like even just saying I'm a nice guy, knowing you had just been with a quote unquote bad one. Exactly. So manipulative. Why did they put themselves on like this pedestal? Like what it's like a self-imposed I think like being a nice guy is a self-imposed thing. Yeah. So I think you want to hear my theories? Welcome yeah, to that's my, why this is my <laughs> podcast theories. So what happens is a guy who is misogynistic in my opinion, right, is faced with rejection. Now they have to account for that rejection, but it can't be anything they've done wrong. So they choose a positive quality that they have through misogyny decided is something women quote unquote don't like. So it's like, basically like, God, she hates smart guys. She hates, you know, she hates good looking guys. <laughs> she hates money and like really i smell so good and she like hates it um but it also is something that's like really hard to prove and it's not super tangible so like if he's if a guy is like uh I'm, she didn't like me because i'm too attractive you would be like okay mirror check you know like let's let's be real <laughs> But nice is something that like, it's hard to prove is true or not true, right? So if yeah. a guy says I'm nice, he, he's going to get validation. So to me, it's just, it's a way to deal with rejection to make themselves 100% the victim yeah. and make the women 100% the villain. Because also these guys, 
there's nothing that they do that's nice. They don't do a single nice thing. Even if they're doing something that could be seen as nice, it's transactional. And like often they're kind of a-holes. Oh, like yeah. they're not nice, like, like in their everyday life, even like, so yeah, that's why I think that they choose nice. I think it's literally like, I need to deal with this rejection, but I need to feel good about myself. And I want the woman to be the bad guy. And so yeah. I'm going to say, I'm so nice that she doesn't want me. And like, they actually are, they pretend to be self-conscious and, and maybe at the very center of who they are, they're self-loathing, but like. They actually, like, a nice guy, when pressed, will actually be quite arrogant. They may have said things like, oh, I just can't get the girl. Like, oh, nobody picks me. But then if you're like, to your story, like, oh, no, I don't like you. They're like, what? No, it's my turn. That's my turn, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's an entitlement because they're a nice guy. They deserve a self-imposed nice guy. They deserve this. Actually, also at one point, I'm now remembering, I opened the memory box. He, yep. when I was in this situationship with this not very, you know, this guy wasn't treating me very nice. He, he tried it again and was like, you should just be with me. Like he wouldn't even care. Like he doesn't even care about you. Like he's told me he doesn't even care about you. So oh. why are you like then making me like, I didn't even know what was reality, you know? Mm -hmm. So you guys are taught everyone's talking about how this guy doesn't like me yet this like i'm the dumb idiot in all of this essentially no, you know not yeah. like hey this guy that you're seeing said something really awful if that was the case and it probably was but he said something really not good about you and i want to bring that to your attention because you deserve to know and like i don't want you to be in the dark about that you know not like i'm telling you this so that this can benefit me somehow if we're the rats they're the snakes <laughs> yeah. let me tell you there's such a sneaky snake shit that they'll do like i just to piggyback off that like i had this guy who um i considered him to be a friend he was younger than me but i considered him to be a friend and uh he was in my presence always feminist and always you know when i would talk about women's rights and like <laughs> just shred misogynist he was all in with me right and then I remember one day he was like, um, yeah, these guys were saying, you know, like A, B, C, and D, and like how, because, you know, I hold certain standards when I work with people, what I will accept and what I won't accept. And I am quite vocal if I think someone said something fucked up, right? Uh, and it was, they were like just bad mouthing me in, in private because they're big old babies, even though they're grown men. Um, and he told me that. And at first I was like, oh my God, that's nice. I'm glad I know. And and I was kind of doubting myself and like, oh God, people are talking about me. But then you realize men only have those conversations with men they trust to keep it a secret. Mm. Which means even if he was telling you that, it's like they are presenting themselves in a way that other men feel comfortable talking shit on women in front of them. So it's exactly. like, what were you doing? that they felt so comfortable not to say that. And secondly, I was like, did you say anything? And he's like, oh, well, no. It's like, oh, so you just want credit for telling me. Yeah, but you couldn't even stick up for me. A hundred percent. You couldn't even check the guy. Right, what'd you say? It's like, oh, well, I, I didn't want to get involved. <laughs> I just want <laughs> points for telling you. I just want you to like me. Like, it's yeah. so bizarre. And that's like, that's the snake part of it. They will frame 
themselves as very supportive when in actuality the things that they do are actually <laughs> like not they want their cake and they want to eat it too they want to be a, a guy's guy in private but they want to be like right. but i i'll tell you about it i won't defend you but i will let you know what they said unchecked yeah i also feel like there's this like the nice guy often goes hand in hand with like the baby bird syndrome where they view women as this like little broken ba- winged like baby bird oh my god I've never heard it that way. Yes. That they want to say and like, and, but they often are the reason that you are broken. Like they're trying to put you in that down place. So then they can come along and save you. Yes. You need to be more broken so I could save you. Damn it. Yeah. People were talking about you cry. Okay. Now I'm here to rescue you. Yeah. You know, you look positive right now. Um, Let me say some messed up shit. You can cry <laughs> and I can rescue you from the chaos I have created myself. That's yeah. so true. Like they, because that again, like it validates their ego and it puts you. So there's like two ways that they put you on the pedestal, which is like one that you're perfect, which is obvious, but two is the fragile, mm-hmm. a wounded woman that needs saving because it is such a tiny, tiny box. And the second you escape that box, the second you're a little too confident, the second uh, you're able to stand up for yourself, like they don't fucking like that. Yeah, right? like this doesn't match what I had in my head of yes. you. Yes, you can be empowered, but only if it's through me. Have you seen the... um? poor things do you guys know what the storyline of that is oh but i no. want to see it so bad so no spoilers i'm sorry oh it's no i'm not spoiling is anything. it frankenstein well it's disgusting because the premise is so hollywood loves to do this type of premise which is like baby mind but a grown woman mm. and so she this is not i don't think this i don't think this is a spoiler but she is a there's there's like a fetus brain in a grown woman and then mm. she does incredibly sexual things throughout the film so sexual that she's been interviewed like how did you like do that how were you able and it's just like there's so many instances like you look at weird science for example where it's like they create a woman or like yeah there's so uh the fifth element she like lilu she does baby talk basically the whole film she's like a child and there's so many instances in which it's like this childlike so childlike energy in a full-grown woman's body where sexual things go on and men are saving them. Yeah, and they want to like, save them and sexualize them. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. It's that's disgusting. Really it's disgusting. That. Yeah. Ugh, I saw the premise. I, I was like, no, that, no, no, no. That's not it. <laughs> that can't We're be We're not doing it. this anymore, I'm right? I'm to, yeah. to know more, to see it and to read more about it because I, I thought that, Emma Stone was a producer on it as well. She might is, be. So you have you seen it? Mm-mm, mm-mm. Okay. No, I just know the so premise. I'm interested to know if like there was something that maybe didn't come across, which is what was the intended by her, you know, as as a producer having like, but I don't I don't know. You never you just don't know. It's hard to think that she would want to like portray that, you know, well, and without like, there being something else, another I, meaning. But I don't I, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a really good acting challenge. I'm sure there's a lot of meaning, but it's just like, there's so many instances of that type of premise. Absolutely. So the film could be totally valid, but it's just this idea of like, why, why, why are we yeah. doing this to women? Like, let's come up with some other ideas. Let's yeah. brainstorm here. It's, 
weird totally. to want someone to be like helpless and then want to like I don't know it's I don't want to say like anything too graphic but like to me it doesn't like to be like I want them to be helpless helpless and then I want to sexualize that like it's just so like it's it's such a weird like what are their brains doing when that happens like I mean, it goes into the deep dark world of yeah. like it goes a bad way you know it goes back oh. into like a purity culture it goes that's into, what I was gonna say because you know as the childlike energy you know doesn't have her own drive necessarily doesn't know herself like she's a lot of times um characters that are like that don't have a sense of self so they're whatever the man wants them to be yeah they can be groomed and molded mm -hmm. and yeah it's really it's it all comes back to like these guys putting a projection of you, like, like they're projecting something on you. Like my entire, I feel like that's my whole dating history is like them pretending I'm something. I'm like, I don't think I am that. <laughs> I think that's made up. Like you're like, like, you're a gorgeous redhead. And you're like, can you see? Like I, <laughs> I'm I, right here. I have blonde hair. Like <laughs> thinking that you have a different colored eyes or hair. Yeah. Or something. yeah. You're like, uh, who am I? But it's just like they they pick parts of your personality that they like, and they focus so heavily. Like I, it's like some guys thought I was a gamer girl because I was like, I play video games. Like, <laughs> I walk outside. I'm not a walking outside girl. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like what? It's very immature, the way that they want women to be. It's like they just want them to be not people. Like they don't yeah. want them to be fully fleshed out. I think at the heart of it, a lot of men just want to control. Mm. Wow. 100%. 100%. You know? If in order to save a woman, you need to break her or for her to be broken, then you're not a hero. Yeah. Like if you need a woman to remain in a state of helplessness to feel good about yourself, like that ain't it. And if a guy, like there, I think we've all experienced that. It's like, you're feeling it you're like at a low point and you start feeling yourself and they start checking you yes they don't yeah. want you to be too confident because mm -hmm. then you might see through what they have going on then you They're, might be like wait a second yeah the, something that really really bothers me is when like a man will make a woman cry like whether through screaming or raising their voice at them or just saying really mean things demeaning them and then uh, go comfort them right after. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's that's just abusive, you know? It's oh, 100%. Like, and then so many women end up staying because they're so good at like, oh, maybe, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt or the guy manipulating it some way to be like, you know, I just like, I have trauma or like, I just like, you know, the tiger got out of the cage, man. Oh my, the, my inner demons were released. Yeah. yeah. But it, but then the last thing he did was to be like, I love you, baby. I'm here for you. Like yeah. comfort her after he was the one that like fucking made her yep. unsafe and scared and in pain. Mm -hmm. It just, it makes me irate. Well, it's interesting. Cause like that is a, a like a narcissistic tactic. A narcissist always wants control. And sometimes the only way to gain control is to make the other person unstable. Yes. I need to be the one who is in control. I need to be the one who's reasonable. And if I fucked up so badly, sometimes the only way for me to get the upper hand is to make you unhinged.
And that can be by triggering you to the point that you're yelling. That can be by making you cry. But then the power dynamic shifts in their favor, right? Because then you're crying. You're upset. You're the one who's all emotional. Their calm demeanor. They get to be like, well, because I'm controlling my emotions. I'm right. Like that's to me my least favorite thing. Like just because I'm crying and emotional doesn't mean like my points aren't valid. Absolutely. Like that, yeah, that's something I really have faced in the past where like I could be saying like the sky is blue and crying because they're telling me it's orange right you know and they're like stop being hysterical yeah and I'm like I'm being hysterical because like you're literally gaslighting me I'm looking (laughs) up like I I can see the sky please yeah I mean it I mean well yeah it's like literal gaslight that is just the definition of gaslighting it's also like you get worn down by being gaslit that much it to the point where you do break down because you're like i have i have nothing left like you it's such a constant battle they are constantly trying to derail you and make you question your reality and it takes so much energy to fight them at every turn to just stay in neutral truth like or just like this is the truth of what's happening or this is who i am and they're constantly trying to get you to question that and so it's like yeah i did cry you're right but guess what bro anger is an emotion yeah you say a lot of stuff angry that i'm supposed to listen to so why why is crying indifferent yeah why do guys like it's interesting that that's a valid emotion for them like punching the wall is valid like yeah like <laughs> that's like, I'm just working through it. Yeah, like, it's like that's embarrassing for you. So there's like a quote, I'm gonna butcher it, but hey, what else would I do? Um <laughs> but there's a quote that's like the one of the greatest tricks that the patriarchy ever pulled was convincing us as a society that anger is not an emotion. Yeah. Because men feel very comfortable expressing anger. It's not seen as being emotional. Right. You're just macho. Yeah. If you see a guy raging out, you're not like, oh my God, he's so emotional. You're just like, oh Jesus. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 really true. They just only express it through that. And it's like, um, that's literally an emotion, like by definition. A lot of times men are bigger and like it's a way to intimidate. Absolutely. And be like, I'm angry. Oh, you're punching walls. What could you punch next? Like yep. I'm actually yes. yes, I will do what you say in this moment. Yeah. It's a way of dominating. It's a it's a very clear threat. Not only does it say when I get angry, I'm violent, period. Which statistically speaking, if a guy if a guy is violent when he's angry, the odds of him being violent with you go up immensely yes yeah um just like if he like if he ever chokes you like the odds of him or puts his hands on you the odds of him like in you is uh much higher killing you is what i was saying um i don't know why i did a sound effect um <laughs> we, brain, we have to like censor ourselves. yeah i'm censoring my own podcast apparently uh but it also is a very subtle like not the act of it because that's never subtle right it's always outlandish but it's a very subtle way of saying this is what this is what happens you do this again i'm doing this again it's this like you because we all do it in our brains we're like okay well don't touch that with a 10-foot pole again i'm never bringing up this topic again no way to live first sign anyone who's listening to this which i feel like anyone listening to i won't say anything else i say anyone listening to this at the first sign of any sort of aggression or violence might not be to you yet but please reach out 
to somebody and get help and take it very seriously because um you know you can't you just can't treat people like that you can't trust I'll just keep it to that just if it happens if that's happening to you like reach out to anyone let it be known that that's what's happening and um no that's not okay Mm -hmm. yeah I, for me it's definitely a, a one and done situation it's 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 like it's not something you want to get wrong like if you're like oh it's probably fine like that behavior if it goes any farther than that like you're in trouble and so i totally agree it's like if you see those behaviors talk to someone get, get help out. get out mm -hmm. because that that doesn't get any better it never gets better I, I've known many wall punchers in my day. The behaviors always got worse. It never got better. Even after it would happen, like it's like the wall punchers were when I was younger, but um, definitely just, I knew some throwers, some storm, people storm out. Mm, yeah. yeah. But it was like, they, they could admit that maybe it was exaggerated, but they never felt shame about it. And I yeah. always found that to be interesting because like, as like, if I have a <laughs> breakdown or like a freak out, I feel immense shame about it. You know, I'm, I've gotten better, but I used to be really upset like in an anxiety attack or panic attack or just whatever. Right. But the men that would do those things, they never felt shame about it. And if anything, they were like, I wish you wouldn't have pushed me to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what? I don't think. Yeah. You <laughs> like did it's still your fault. Yeah, yeah. What? That's actually like perfectly segues into my nice guy story. And you will hear Abby's story on part two of this episode, which will be released next Saturday. I'm sorry to do it to you, but I don't know what you expected when three podcasters got together. And if you liked this episode or you like the podcast, please make sure to give us a review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this, because it really does help us out. Thank you to Gracie and Abby for joining me on this episode. And if you can't wait another week to hear their lovely voices, then go ahead and check out the Rack Girls podcast. The latest episode has yours truly as the guest. It was a super good time. We were talking about periods. <laughs> It's a whole thing. Thank you again for listening. We will see you next week with part two of this episode. And as always, my friends, F the nice guy.